And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. It's not about me I'm only here for a minute And I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try Hello, welcome to our Lads and Powers. This is Scott Powers, joined by Mark Lazarus. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on-demand. Learn more at directtv.com. Mark, hello. Scott, regular season starts tonight. For the Blackhawks, it starts tomorrow. Like a real hockey season. I know. It's, uh... I'm going to be on a flight during the games tonight, so I was going to say, like, I'm all excited to watch hockey, but uh, we also have a fantasy draft tonight, hockey fantasy draft. Yeah, you're abandoning me for the fantasy draft because you scheduled a night flight because you wanted to be there for your family. Well, what about me, Scott? What well, about I'm our a, fantasy I'm, team? I'm, I'm on a Southwest flight, so there's about a 10% chance it actually departs. Well, one, it's already been delayed, like, since the morning. But <laughs> oh, also, like, that explains it. You were, I was wondering why your flight was so delayed. Yeah, the yeah. Southwest is having issues. If I actually get off the ground, it'll be a miracle. So Say what you will about United, and there's a lot to say about it. Yeah. <laughs> They're not canceling thousands of flights this week. No, they're not. not knock so. on wood, because I have a United flight tomorrow to Newark. <laughs> um, it, it's an interesting start having Colorado off the bat. Like uh, Jeremy Colleton talked about it today. Like it's, um, you know, like it feels like this major bar. But I, I also think it's like no one. You probably shouldn't read in this game like a whole lot. You know, like it's like it's, I'm sure they don't want to look awful, but. Um, well, it, there's also the Nathan McKinnon was on the COVID protocol today, so that could also change what what Colorado yeah, he's looks out. like. He, he's officially out tomorrow. Now, he's, oh, he's he actually, right? yep. yeah, he tested positive. He is officially out tomorrow. Oh, that's um, interesting. You know, it's interesting because you know the Blackhawks last year. Remember, they started in Tampa with two games in Tampa and just got obliterated by the Lightning. Uh, they had that young team, like all these guys that are making their debuts, and they just got destroyed. And everybody's like, "Oh, the season's going to be so bad." And then, like a week and a half later, we're like, "Oh, wait, these guys can hang with a lot of teams." And they turned yeah. into a a relatively fun year that was not really expected. And the Hawks were competitive for most of it in a playoff spot for a lot of it. So yeah, you got to be really careful. Like, it's it's been so long since we've had an eighty two game season that people might be forgetting just how long an eighty two game season is. But the flip side of that is the Central Division is going to be so tough that you know points given away in October are going to matter in April. So, yeah. you know, you can't get off to a slow start because the loser point makes it so hard to climb the standings in the NHL that you cannot get off to a slow start. 
I think there's also the fact that it, it, it's not about moral victories this year, right? Like, it, last year was right. the rebuild, and now it's – they built a team that's supposed to win, you know? Like, if – you know, we, we've kind of laid out – we actually did some planning for this podcast, which is which is odd for <laughs> Very us. Very unusual. Um, but, you know, we'll kind of get into what – you know what the season is, but it's it, it does feel different. You know, like it feels like this team was built to be a playoff team. You know, last year was built to to develop and and rebuild and whatever. But when you go out and make that trade for Jones, and I mean they're still young in a lot of ways. When you look at and even looking at like Mitchell and Stillman are going to be the pairing. You know, come tomorrow, like there, there's definitely youth on this team, but there's enough veterans, enough moves that were made to accelerate this process. And and I um. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, I guess I think of this team differently last year. Last year, like, the early results were, yeah, like, that was it was sort of what was expected. And then from the bounce back was unexpected. But um, while I don't expect them to compete with Colorado this year, I, I do expect the Blackhawks, the moves they made and the veterans they have, I mean, they should compete for a playoff spot, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, we have uh, we have our, our annual uh, What the Scouts Are Saying piece coming out tomorrow. Uh, and I don't want to give away too much because it's always fun and a little juicy. But, uh, you know, one of the scouts, he told me, he said, they have to make the playoffs or just, just miss. It feels like playoffs are bust because, man, it's been a long time. I mean, their only playoff appearance since the Stanley Cup, the last Stanley Cup, was kind of a fake one in the bubble where they, like, yeah. didn't really belong there. But they want to they want play in series or they got to play and that's fine. That was good. That was good experience. But that's all the playoff experience that the overwhelming majority of this team has. Most of these guys... You know, it's not like the old days. You've got Taves and Kane and you got Tyler Johnson and you got Marc-Andre Fleury and you got a whole lot of guys who have accomplished nothing in the postseason in their careers. They have to get there. You know, it's at some point you've got to get there. And, you know, the Blackhawks short-circuited their rebuild for this. They they put all their chips in the basket and said, you know, we're going to try to – I just said chips in the basket, eggs in the basket. And, <laughs> and they're trying to win this year. And if they don't win this year, you know – that's that's problematic because you would you could have made steady incremental progress with what you had, but now you've taken this leap and you said we're competing now, and it's a difficult year to do that because the Central Division is not going to be a friendly place. I think for me a big point of why this season wouldn't be a success, even if they do improve and they don't make the playoffs, is they don't have a first round pick next year. You know, like yeah. you you gave up a lot. To, to, for Seth Jones, and, and I think there's an expectation to win right now. Like, if they don't make the playoffs and don't have a first-round pick next year, like, it's, yeah, it, it feels like a, it looks like a, it feels like a failure, you know? Like, it, I, I also think that, I, you know, I've been following kind of Ticketmaster and how many tickets are remaining for the game for the season opener, and, you know, they, they may get the home opener, and, and they may get the sellout status just because they, they, do, they do sell the SROs, but it, it's, it's noticeable that it's, it's hard, like, you know, just, even talking to season ticket holders I, I, I this summer. I don't think you could put too much stock into that. I mean, honestly, if I weren't being there to be paid, I would not be going to a crowded arena, you know, in, indoor sport. This is different than going to if, the, White if the Sox Blackhawks. If this was the 2010 Blackhawks, that place would be packed, you know? like I'm not the, so sure about that. I'm really not. I, I, I think there's a lot of people that are hesitant to do things like that. You know, we're still guaranteed, in the middle of Guaranteed rate <clears throat> is pretty packed with 40,000 people. That's an outdoor arena. It's outdoors. It's a complete... Yeah, like, I, I've, I I've been to a bunch of Sox games this year. I would not go to a Blackhawks game if I had to sit wedged in there with that many people. I mean, I know that they're saying, you know, you got to be vaccinated or get a negative test. If it was just vaccinated, I might be more inclined. I mean, hell, I bought tickets to see a Broadway show on Thursday night when I have an off night in New York. I'm still kind of wary about doing that. I I think a lot of people, I mean, look, the sellout streak was going to end sooner or later. And um, it, it's it, been it, trending. It's going either end. way, it was yeah, trending in this right. direction. It's been so. easier and easier and cheaper and cheaper to get in than it had been in the past. But I think it's hard to put too much stock into that right now. 
just because of external factors. This is an indoor sport, and I don't know quite how that's going to you know work around the league. I do think the Blackhawks know that they have to win soon. Like I, I do think oh, yeah. their offseason correlates, their moves correlate them to realizing that we're losing season ticket holders. That that, as much as they just named it a rebuild, it, I think a lot of fans have thought this has been a rebuild going on for five years. That, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just I, I see enough trends around other sports around the other. You know, like obviously other things are outdoors, but I think there's been enough Blackhawks fans that would probably re- go in there regardless if this team was successful. So I, I think that at least maybe we'll, see. Effect, we'll see. You know, we'll see how much it affects. I, mean, I, I, you know, go back to your point about, you know, is this season a failure if the Blackhawks miss the playoffs, they get better, but miss the playoffs. And I used to go round and round with David Kaplan on this, on the old sports talk live during the cup years. He always said if the Hawks don't win the Stanley cup. This season was a failure. He said that in 2014, when the Hawks lost an overtime of game seven of the Western conference final in between winning cups. And I, I've, I always pushed back against those absolutes that it can't be that black and white, but there's a difference between, the Stanley Cup or bust, and the playoffs are bust. You yeah. miss the playoffs after you know adding all the pieces you added and investing all that you've invested into the season. Yeah, I think that's going to be a failure. And and even if it's whether whether they miss the playoffs by one point or twelve points, uh, it's going to be hard to you know justify more of the same. You know, you're, you you a lot of years of Kane and Taze's primes have been squandered here. You know, they're they're thirty three and thirty two. Kane's going to be thirty three also in November. At, at some point. You need to make a second run with them, and this has to be the year where that starts. And it also, it's going to get harder to put together. Like you might have Mark Andre Fleury, and I don't, you know, I think this may just be a one-year thing. You know, like Kane and Taves' contracts are coming to an end. Kubalik's owed another deal. Um, you know, like they have some Seth cash Jones space. jumps up a lot next year, like about four yeah, million dollars. Like, there's a window where it's going to get become a bit of a cap hell again. With you know, DeBrinket's owed another contract, and you have to mm-hmm. you have to think he's licking his chops of what his next deal can look like. You know, like um, you're, you're moving out Kane and Taves potentially, and, and it depends on what they you know what those next contracts look like. But you're you're replacing them with Jones and DeBrinket's next contracts, and and without you know like any clear sight to where the Stanley you know where the the cap is rising. So yeah, I don't, I, I feel like not that the Blackhawks are cup contender right now, but um, this team should like on paper. And I get the central is really tough, but it, it has the pieces to be a pretty good team that should make mm-hmm. the playoffs and, and, and potentially, you know, like if everything goes the Blackhawks favor that they could do some damage. I agree. Well, let's get right into it. We, we, we okay. broke this down into a whole bunch of categories and over unders and stuff. Let's start right there. The Blackhawks are a playoff team. If what happens, I think Seth Jones is a huge piece of this. I, I think I think him being the number one defenseman that he needs to look like he did previously in Columbus. Like he's going to eat the ice time. He's going to be on the power play. Um, you know, McCabe and Murphy and all those things are nice, but I, I think a lot of this relies on. I think if Duncan Keith had been better in recent years, the Blackhawks were potentially a playoff team. You know, like I think that makes that much of a difference if he's playing twenty five minutes a game. Um, I know that we have another question about who, like, who the biggest piece is, but I, I think it does come down to Seth Jones. I think he's, um, you know, like you, you traded a lot for him. You've put a lot of stock into him now and in the future. And if he doesn't look like he's the number one defense in this year, then you have a problem many years going forward. But I think right now that Seth Jones can really make a difference in what this team does. I think the Blackhawks are a playoff team if Mark Andre Fleury posts a nine twenty or better save percentage. He's done that for the last seven years. Uh, nine guys, including him, did it last year. That's the kind of number the Hawks, they don't have to be 928, but it's got to be around 920. 
And that's going to be a lot harder to do behind the Blackhawks defense than it was against uh, behind Vegas's defense. So um, goaltending can mask a lot of flaws that, you know, when, when, when the Hawks had Corey Crawford and Robin Leonard, they were pretty competitive despite having a horrible team defense. This year's team defense should be better. And you've got a goalie of that caliber and Marc-Andre Fleur. If he puts up a 920 or better, then I think these, these Hawks sneak into the playoffs. I guess we, we one of the questions was the most important player to the Blackhawks this season. We both named that, but who who's, who else is on that list? Who well, else? It's Jonathan is? Taves. I mean, you know, it, it's it's almost weird to me how underplayed the Jonathan Taves angle has been, both locally and nationally, over the last month. It's absolute. This is one of the biggest stars in the NHL, one of the most respected and widely recognized great players in the league, and he missed an entire year where people didn't know if he was ever coming back. Where he dropped off the face of the earth. And he just shows up at camp, and he looks like Jonathan Taves again. He plays 23 minutes in his first game, including like a two-minute overtime shift. And he's going to be there on on Wednesday night in Colorado. He's going to be, you know, your number one or number two center, depending on how you uh, label the lines. Uh, he's back, and he, he the whole lineup, the whole complexion of the lineup changes with him. It's such a dramatic difference. He's such a linchpin in that lineup that you put him back in there, and all of a sudden, they look a lot deeper down the middle. They look a lot better on the penalty kill. They look a lot better in important face-offs. The power play looks better. Now, I don't know exactly what you can expect out of him, but he's clearly expecting a lot out of himself. He didn't. He only took two days off in all of training camp, a very grueling training camp, by the way. Uh, he seems to be in really good shape. He's in great spirits. Uh, you had that video of him just randomly tripping Kevin Lankin in for fun and practice today. I mean, he's that we used to joke, me and Tracy Myers used to joke about the Tavesometer. Uh, and, and when he was goofing off in the morning skate and he was having fun, the Hawks were going to win that night. And he's been in good spirits this entire camp. And a, 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 a happy-go-lucky Jonathan Taves is a good Jonathan Taves. And, you know, we'll see if he's, you know, th- again, we were we, doing the scouts piece and I was talking to a scout. He's, you know, last year there was the talk that Jonathan Taves being gone was helpful for Jeremy Colleton because it allowed players to buy in without Taves' resistance. And I think there's a sense that Taves is more willing to buy in this year. You know, he's a year removed. He doesn't want to be disruptive. Uh, he saw that it kind of worked for teams, like the, the, the work ethic and all that, that he could buy into that. And if Jonathan Taves buys in, then, you know, what excuse does anyone else have? So uh, he is hugely important. I don't know what to expect of him. He might play 20 games. He might play 82 games. I have absolutely no idea. But he is such a huge X factor to this season. I, you know, I think it's interesting. Like even today, the lines that Taves line was third. And I, and I think that there's an argument that Taves could be the first or the third center. Like I, I think – I think Tyler Johnson obviously isn't the third, you know, the first or the second best center, but he's going to play that line that, and then I think that Kirby Dock line is is, is going to be huge for Colleton. Like I, like I, and now that we know that why why Dock was playing more five on five time than than Taves in the playoffs, but Dock is still the future of this team. You know, like he's the Blackhawks. If they can get Dock to back to where he was trending before the World Juniors, like he was trending towards something really special, and I, I think you're starting to see some signs of that again. So I'm curious on on where five on five ice time falls. I think I, I think Taves is going to see top power play units, and obviously he's huge on the PK. But on five on five, I wonder if, um, especially since that Colleton sometimes falls out of favor with Kubalik and um, that I feel like Hagel's taken a pretty good significant step up. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm curious, but I think Doc's for me is that, you know, outside of Taves, I think Doc's the other key is that where he's, he's the guy that I don't think when you look at the national experts that are, people are accounting for that he could take that step, you know, like there's still an unknown, like is, is he as good as the Blackhawks think he can be or, or the signs that he was showing going into world juniors last 
last season. So I, I think for me, if the Blackhawks and, you know, like if Doc takes that next step, he is that special two-way player that he's shown the Titans that he can potentially be that I think he also can kind of elevate this team and take him to somewhere that people maybe don't expect. Yeah, I think that I think Jeremy's got to be a little careful about expecting too much out of Brandon Hagel. We put a lot on him because he's a fun player last year and he created a lot. But this is not a 25-30 goal scorer in the NHL. He is what he is. He's an energy guy. And they need to – the Blackhawks are a lot better if Brandon Hagel's in your bottom six than your top six. And that's not a knock on Hagel. I love him yeah. as a player. But he is – let's not – He's not Alex Dabrinka here. You know? I'm not sold on – not that he's 25 goal scorer, but I think Brandon Hagel has more – I think the fact that he created those opportunities last season as a rookie, I, I and, and at every level, again, it's every other level, but he's scored, you know? Like, I I think he's a 20-goal scorer. I, I think that Brandon Hagel, not that necessarily he's a you know, definitive top six, but I think he's a depth scorer that's going to surprise you a little bit where I, I think that the fact that he puts himself in so many different positions, the scorer, and even in the preseason we've seen on – um, you know, uh, just creating breakaways. And, if you know, I think having Doc and, you know, Borgstrom, who sees the ice so well that um, realizing how to create, putting him into open space to get pucks. Like, I I, I think we have an over-under about Hagel's goals, and I, I think that he's a 20-goal scorer this season. I, I guess that's one of those guys that I, I thought he was a little bit snake-bitten as a rookie, um, but he had those chances. So, like, I, I think I think there's, hey, like, the fact that he is still so young that, that – there's that potential, but um, I guess we can also see what yeah, see what he is this season. But well, I mean, I mean, if we're going to skip ahead to that one, and let's not forget. I mean, we talk a lot about how man, if only he could finish around the net. He had a nine point nine shooting percentage last year. That's above league average. Which league average is like like low nines. Yeah, and he had nine goals last year. So I, I don't know how much more he generates so much offense, but it's not always for himself. So I, I just feel like twenty goals is a really high bar for him. We shall see. We shall. Uh, Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, one of the big questions, and and I I know that just looking at other people's lists of what coaches who are on the hot seat and who might get fired first, and and I think Colleton's appeared on some of these lists. Mm-hmm. Um, for you, is is he on the hot seat? Is he someone who who's coaching for his job right now? Uh to it to an extent, yeah. I don't think he's like on the hot seat, but he could, his seat could get very hot very quickly. Remember the the Hawks fired Dennis Savard four games into the season because they had Joel Quenville waiting. They fired uh, Joel Quenville, I think it was 16, 15 games. They were 6-6-3, six, six and three, something like that, uh, into the 2018-19 season because they had Jeremy Colleton waiting. They don't have anyone waiting in the wings right now. There's not, they're not looking for a reason to fire Jeremy Colleton. They like Jeremy Colleton. But if this team, with all we've talked about and the pressure that's been placed on them, really stumbles badly out of the gate, if they start like, you know, 3-7-1 and one or something like that, 
then the calls will be very quick. And, you know, Stan's, Stan Bowman is general managing for his job, too. Let's not forget that. And, you know, when it comes down to it in the NHL, you look out for number one. And if you know, the GM fires the coach, that's what you do. Uh, I don't expect it to happen. I don't think the Blackhawks will start, will start so badly. But um, if things go awry, it will happen very, very quickly. I think Stan Bowman's fate is connected a lot to Jeremy Colleton's, you know, well, yeah, how many coaches do you get to hire? Right. Yeah. Right. Like it, it's they, they fired Joel Quinville because it was it, it was, you know, they put so much on Quinville and it was obvious that it wasn't Joel Quinville. Like it was it was roster management. It was construction of the team like it. A lot of it should have fell on Stan Bowman and and it didn't. And, and you know, and Colleton, you know, like he's treaded water for the most part over the last few years. And, you know, again, I, I don't you know, like people talk about the system and Colleton and. I think it's all been about the roster. Like they just they haven't had a team that can compete. And this team this team should compete. You know, yeah. like they should be they should be competitive. And and I, I don't think, you know, the system's not you know, people talk about the system, the system, but it's it's no different than a lot of teams. So um the Blackhawks should be able to execute the system based on the defensemen they have. Um all those things. But yeah, if if Carlton fails and I think Bowman fails, like I, I think this all comes down to him. So I I don't know. It's going to um, take a lot because both of them are on relatively new contract extensions yeah. here. So, but if things get real bad, you know, Rocky's got a lot of money. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, who will be the most surprising player this season? Um, it's a really good question. Um, Dylan Strome putting up sixty points in Ottawa. I don't know. I mean, it's it's you know, I, 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 I there's a lot of talk about Dylan Strome. They're looking to move him. They've been looking to move him for over a year now. It's not a surprise. Um, so maybe it would be surprising if Dylan Strom had a really good season in Chicago. I think he's capable of it, but it's just clear he's not in the plans here. So I'll go with, uh, another guy who seems to be starting off on, uh, I, I, I buried a little bit, which is, uh, uh is Gaudet, who had a great camp and isn't in the lineup. He's, you know, Mackenzie Entwistle's ahead of him and Jujara Kara's ahead of him and Ryan Carpenter's ahead of him. And I'm not so sure any of them should be. But uh, I like what I've seen out of Gaudet. I think he's got a he's got a hell of a motor on him. He seems motivated this year. And if and when he gets a chance in the lineup, I I think it'll be like Hagel last year, who got in in the fourth game of the year. Once he's in, he's not going to let go of that spot. For me, it's I, I think Reichel is the interesting one. Like, I think Reichel comes up at some point. Like if if any of these players falter, that I think Reichel's shown enough skill and ability. And the Blackhawks are probably fortunate that Reichel didn't like blow up in those few preseason games because <laughs> it would have made things a lot more difficult. Because even now, like I mean, we've talked about it, Strowman and Goddard were probably two of the better players in camp. And yeah, no um, question. Uh, and I, I just I don't know how much of an opportunity was realistically there. They, they obviously want Borgrim to succeed. Remember when people and used to, to complain about how Joel Quenville just made up his mind on guys super early? Jeremy Colleton does that like to an even greater extent. It feels like like he's he's got his guys. He every coach is like that, but he's 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 no different. He's got his guys he likes. And he's got his guys he doesn't trust. It came down. There's basically one spot in this lineup, you know, like it was, you know, and to and twistle emerging change the, but it's it's how he wants the fourth line to look, you know, like it's the reason why Reese Johnson got a look and some of these guys, like he wants that fourth line grinder, that center, um, with some size and strength, and that wasn't Goddard or Stroman, and so it came down to that who was going to be Hagel and Doc's wing and, um. I thought Goddard looked really good with those guys, and and you know, Strom on Saturday played really well, um. But, you know, Borgstrom, he's the big piece of that trade. Like, it would probably not look good if Borgstrom didn't make this team. And not that Borgstrom's looked bad either. I thought he had a pretty good camp. But, you know, like that was I, – I think Strom and Goddard had the largest hurdles to climb in, in this, um, you know, the clear in this camp. And, and apparently they're out of it. 
Um, but yeah, I, I'm curious what Reichel's season will become because I, I think that he's good enough to be in the NHL at some point this season. And, um, you know, if this team's faltering offensively or, or that, that he may push them. Um, Over-unders, um, Kane, 90 points. Oh, man. That, that, when you, when you, that's like right at the number. I, I, I'm going to say over just because he's been at like a 96. He, I, I think he's been a... A 96-point pace, basically, for an 82-game season since his MVP year. He's, like, third in the league in points per game, about 1.7, 1.17 behind only McDavid and Kucherov. I mean, he's really, really good at, you know, at what he does, which is racking up points. Uh, he seems healthy. We don't know how much this nagging injury is going to affect him, but I think he's going to be a 90-92. I think that's right around the number he'll be at. Yeah, I'm I'm slightly over too. I, I think the power play is good enough. Like we've seen enough yeah. for the top unit where they're going to produce. They're and, slinging the puck around. I mean, if they can keep that up, that'll be fun to watch. And then, and if he's just racking up secondary or primary assists, that certainly yeah. helps too. So yeah, but again, I think the injury is, you know, like it. His game certainly dropped off last season. You know, like it was noticeable that he wasn't producing at that he had same. Four level. goals over his last thirty-three games. This is a yeah. guy who, when he goes three games without a goal, is like you know banging his head against a wall. I mean, it was unlike anything we'd ever seen from him. Uh, at 40 goals. 40 is a lot. Like, I, I, I mean, he was on a 50 goal pace last year and he was on a 22 goal pace the year before that. I think he's a safe bet for 35 goals year after year. I think he'll spike some 40s and I'll have some in the low 30s. I'm going to say under, but that's not because I don't, I think Alex Dabrinkit is a f- absolutely fantastic hockey player all around. Huge piece of this. Again, he's the trigger man on that power play, but 40 is a lot. I'm going to say he'll be in the high 30s. Yeah, I, I think thirty to forty range seems safer. Um, again, it could it come down to that power play. Like if Demirka yeah. starts producing more, uh, Kubalik with thirty goals. I'm going under there. I know he's got great chemistry with Jonathan Taves and he's back on his wing, but I think we're looking at like a really good twenty to twenty five goal scorer year after year. I, I, the, the fact that he's on the second power play yeah, unit and that second power play under. unit gets like twenty seconds of ice time every power play. That's going to cost him. If, if they had a power play one unit that was built around him, he could be a 35-goal guy. Yeah. Uh, Hagel, 20 goals. Uh, under. He's just not that guy. I mean, again, he had, he had a 9.9 shooting percentage last year and had nine goals. I mean, he wasn't like he wasn't burying some chances. Uh, he's, he's, a, he's, he's, a, he's a player you need. He's not a player that can lead you. to. You know, he's, he's a really good piece. He's a middle six guy. I don't think he'll ever be a... 50, 60 point, 20 goal guy, though. I'm going to go over. Uh, Taves, 19 minutes of average ice time. I, under, I hope. I mean, the smart thing to do. I mean, I've written about this already, this camp, and it's obviously falling on deaf ears because they're not going to practice load management with Jonathan Taves. But uh, I mean, the fact is, in his whole career, Taves is like a 19 minute and 50 second a game guy. He doesn't play 21, 22 minutes like Kane does all the time because Kane's double shifting at the end of a game. So, you know, I think playing him 18, 18 and a half minutes, I think that's a perfectly reasonable number. It's not that big of a drop off from what he's used to. And it's a reasonable compromise for someone who you need to be really careful with this season. Yeah, it, it, I guess for me, it, it's going to vary game. I think I think in special teams, they're going to just drive him into the ground. Like, it's it's not going to ever be a thought. I, I think with the five-on-fives where they can pull back and if they do play that dock line more. Um, but, yeah, just from everything we've seen, like, they're it's all full it's, go with it, Taves, nothing, you know? Nothing's different. It's like, it's like he never left, which is great. But it's also kind of disconcerting from, like, a an objective standpoint. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury with a 920 save percentage. Oh, well, that was the magic number I said, right? I mean, it's asking a lot behind this defense to put up a 920. He's going to face so many more high-danger chances than he did in Vegas. Um, I don't know. 
What did Kevin Lincoln finish with last year? He was like in the like nine O's, wasn't he? I don't think it was. Uh, it was all that nine oh nine. Yeah, and he had, he, and that's because he dropped off. He was in the nine fifteen, nine seventeen range for a lot of the year, where you know Dom was talking about him up for the for the Vesna every night. But uh, I, I think nine twenty, it's 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 the bar, and I think that Flurry will just clear it. I think he'll get there. Well, I was I was trying to figure out what uh, Leonard and Crawford were. Um, if they had to be around that, right? This is why we uh, need to do our homework. I, I did my homework. To, uh, Leonard was at 918, so Crawford must have been right around there too. Yeah. I mean, that's a big number. Those guys are really good. That So this is a slightly better Blackhawks defense, so I think you can get a slightly better save percentage out of Florida. Yeah, no, that's uh, – it feels like – yeah, it, it'll be uh, – It'll be close. Like it'll, and a lot will depend on the penalty kill. Obviously, the penalty kill was absolutely horrendous in training camp, but they didn't even work on it for the first couple of weeks. So, who knows yeah, I don't know how much better. to read in that. Like, it's just, I, yeah. I, I, all, I all those like, guys are on the power any... play, so they weren't getting their reps. I think there's something to that. Yeah, I don't know. I, but I feel like that's every year that like no one ever works on the penalty kill. Like, <laughs> well, that's what I'm know? saying. Like, like give them a couple of weeks, and if they're terrible, still, then then there's something to be worried about. Crawford was nine nine seventeen his last season. Okay, yeah. So they were both right around the same. Leonard and Crawford. Um. Oh, the last one was Reichel, uh, 10 NHL games this season. Oh, I'm going over. I mean, he, once he gets in, he's here to stay. I think that's that goes without saying. And there's always injuries. There's always guys that will stumble. I don't know if Mackenzie Entwistle will be here all year. Reichel will get his chance, and once he's in, he's in. Yeah, I, I guess there's incentive for the Blackhawks. Like, they haven't – like, as, as long as Strom and Gaudet are in this lineup, like, and especially Nylander. Like, Nylander is sort of that wild card, too. Like, if he shows something that – there's incentive for the Blackhawks to make sure that Reichel's contract slides, you know? Like, yeah, I, but I, I, in a different year, maybe, but this is a win-now year, and if he's going to make you better, I think they're going to have to suck it up, Buttercup. Yeah, it's funny because I, I named Reichel as my surprise, but I'm not sure if he's going to play in 10 NHL <laughs> games or not. Um, we, we talk about the salad streak. I, I think a couple of other things, you know, the storylines off the ice this season are interesting. Certainly the lawsuits are something that we've talked a lot about, and mm-hmm. You know, things will unfold here in the months. But I, I think also the broadcasting, um, you know, like all four broadcasters' contracts are, you know, are, are coming up, uh, you know, with um, Pat Foley's obviously already announced that he's retiring after the season. Um, they're going to rotate, you know, TV, bro- TV broadcasters. Foley mentioned the other day that they're, um, that they want to hear from fans that, you know, like their feedback like this, yep. it, it could probably get a little bit harsh too, you know. It's true. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, I'm kind of curious how that plays out. Like, I Foley's you know going to do a lot of games, but they're gonna they're gonna have people coming in the radio booth and coming in the TV booth, and a lot of different voices. That, John Wideman's uh, gonna get a crack at the TV chair. I mean, it's it'll be interesting to see how all that translates. You know? Yeah, no, like, for sure. Like John Wideman is this phenomenal radio voice. Like, it is so hard to call hockey on the radio because you have to be tape to tape and you have to be so on top of things, and he's so good at it. Will he be able to translate that to TV? I assume he can. I, you know, we talk to him all the time at, at the rink. He's a great storyteller, and that's part of what being a TV broadcaster is. It's filling some time with with telling stories and having. Well, I think he did and, TV for a bit, right? Wasn't he? he uh, before Foley came back, when Foley was fired, I don't even know. I think they did a simulcast or something. I think. But it, it, if that's the case, and it's been more than a decade since he's done, yeah. it. I mean, doing I think TV the interesting about hockey is the one sport where you find TV broadcasters broadcast games most closely the radio because it, it moves so fast and mm-hmm. i think the fans are so like like you you have a little bit more room to give your your color analysts an opportunity but like it's a lot of play-by-play more than than other sports what do you think is harder doing doing a, a, a let's say tv doing baseball or hockey baseball where you have to fill 99 percent of the air is dead air or hockey where you got to be just breathlessly doing the pace what do you think is harder <sighs> 
I think for me, hockey, just because you, you like you, if you lose sight of like we, we hear people mess up all the time. It's oh, just yeah. like you need them. Yeah. You need to keep on going. Like you can't like go correct yourself. You know, I like, think baseball must be so hard. I mean, like I, I, I never yeah, listen to those guys, like they know what they're going into. Like they know it's 162 games. They know, you get, but you know? that's the, you got to you got to fill up to four hours a night, 162 nights a year with just telling stories, basically, because like, yeah. there's just nothing happening in the game. I think that's hard. I don't know. They're both, yeah. It's all hard. I don't know how TV people do it. Like I, I can barely talk on a podcast without stammering over my words and you know and slipping into curses and stuff like that. I don't know how this. They're all amazing <laughs> to me. How well they can do it. Yeah. No. It's it's like I, I to be a guy who doesn't embrace like analytics and stuff because like that'd be the type of type of stuff that I'd had like to fill up time. Like you'd feel like you'd yeah. want to pull all that stuff out. And um, what else we got here? Uh, we're, we're back on the road this season. Um, yes. I'm, traveling to denver you're heading off east where where's like the most where are you most excited about returning to um well i'm excited to go to seattle because i've never been um so i'm looking forward have you to never that been to seattle ever i've never been to seattle ever so nice. i'm looking forward to that i'm, I'm gonna actually this, the, the hawks have like four days off before that game so i'm gonna go out a day early just to oh, awesome some, uh touristy stuff but uh i really miss los angeles i love going to la during the season uh, i i love staying in manhattan beach I, I just love everything about, you know, just rent. It's like the last, the only city left in the NHL where I rent a car because you have to have a car. Yeah. And I just drive around with the windows down in the middle of winter in LA. And I just, you know, I'll never be able to afford to live in LA or Manhattan Beach. But God, I love visiting there. And I'm looking forward to getting back there. Yeah, the, I, I used to love LA, but the driving gets to me. And yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I found that I just, as I've gotten older, like, they're like, even now, like, I, I dread Colorado because just Denver's airport is so far. And it's, you know, like, it's, <laughs> it's in Kansas. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I guess I, I still love that. I, I, you get all the trips now because it's where you're home. But New York's still the place. For I know. Me. I, I feel bad just, about that. <laughs> always it's, New York it's, trips. it's all right. It's a, I'll I'll get to New York some way or another. Like there'll be a day where uh, we both go out there or something. But yeah, I don't know. New York's still the place. For, like I, I I grew up wanting to live in New York, and then uh, you know there was a stretch there where we considered moving to New York, and um, yeah, I think it's for New York, New York still, and, and even now, like I, I, I got the Mar- I got the Montreal, Toronto trip was usually you oh, know, that's like a great that's one. A, that's yeah. a fun one, and um, we'll see what can. I'll be, I'll be like. honest with you, hundred percent honest with you. I miss every single city in the NHL. Like, there's nowhere I dread going. I legit, I dread being in Calgary's press box, but I love Calgary. You know, people, yeah. people hate on Winnipeg. I like Winnipeg. Winnipeg's one of my favorite places to see a game. It's convenient. The hotel's right next to the rink. I like going everywhere. I just like being yeah. on the road. I like being at different rinks. I like having drinks with uh, other writers on the road. I, I miss all of it. There's not a city in the league that if you sent me to tomorrow, I'd be like, oh shit, I got to go here. You know, the worst part not is that I, I think that you and I don't get the, like, we're not on the road anymore together, you know, like that. Right. Like it, yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's, it's not the same. Yeah. Um, basically, it, wherever I am, you're not, and vice yeah, versa. For sure. I and we I know we talk about every year, but I, I'd love to kind of jump into prospects each, you know, as, as these podcasts as Easton goes along. And um, you know, I'm I'm I haven't really done a whole lot of prospect stuff yet, but I'm I think there's some interest like I think Rockford's really interesting this year. And I'm, I'm hoping to get the Rockford a little bit more this season. I think I think their whole defense is really interesting. In fact, a Nylander's there. Uh unfortunately Matez uh Halupa went on uh unconditional waivers today so he's not going to be there but um i, I think rockford is interesting and then guys like i i, I don't know if we'll, we'll travel but you know i i miss going to see like making those trips to see secura and yeah and to bring kid in those prospects yeah, for a Mitchell, lot of fun right yeah. i i think going to see uh, I, I like to go to bu this year possibly i think Camaso and, and alex velastic are both two guys that uh you know we could see in the NHL lineup at some yep. point so 
Um, I uh, yeah, I like to pick up some of the maybe, and maybe yeah. Hopefully, I'll do a little bit of research before each podcast, and I'll have someone to talk about. But I, I think the college season just started, and and guys like Landon Slaggerts, and and even like Jake Wise, who transferred to Ohio State. Uh, um, you know, he he's probably on. You know, he's not really thought of at this point, just because he's he's you know he he, would, he was but, such a highly touted prospect too. People thought the world of him when they drafted him, and it just hasn't worked out. He he spent an entire summer in in Chicago working out, and I, I know the Blackhawks haven't closed that door yet. And him transferring was part of it too, just kind of a new scenery. So, um, I, I think you know the fact he's at Ohio. You know, I was gonna I was gonna say where is it close? There's no really like it's not unfortunate Northwestern Illinois don't have a team that go go watch someone like that play. But I I, I think Wise is interesting. But yeah, I will um I'll do some prospect research. Um. For for you and I, this is both our our tenth season on a beat, which is and I know we mentioned last mind blowing, which is crazy. Yeah, I never thought I'd be covering hockey for one season, and here we are at ten. Um, Meanwhile, this is all I ever wanted to do with my license. I was like nine years old. Yeah, I still I you know I, I stopped doing it after I don't know what it was like the whole. 17 seconds like it was in the press room and mm-hmm. I, I don't and part, part of it's the athletic doesn't have like a deadline like that anymore but i, I stopped watching games um you know we used to go down in the the press room in the mm-hmm. third period and and we just there's so many moments that we missed live because we were watching off of tvs and all these great moments that i that's um, why i always think of game seven against detroit because i knew there would be a handshake at the end of that game regardless so that gave yeah. you that bought you time to get downstairs. So we yeah. were still in the press box for the for the for you know the the Jomerson goal that was waved off, and then Seabrook's goal in overtime. I think like, I was in the room. Because I was so I one I didn't know what I was writing about, so I was just scared for every hockey story that I wrote. That like, <laughs> and there was something there was something due at the whistle for the Athletic. So like I or for for ESPN that I just yeah I, I God that whole season was. Dreadful. It was so much fun. It was so much fun. I, that was like the I most remember, fun season I remember, ever. People were like, "Oh, you covered the Blackhawks for ESPN. That must be awesome." And I and I and I, I just think, "Oh, this fucking sucks." You know, like it just <laughs> like people are like, "What? How was you know?" Like I didn't hide my. I was like a kid it. in a candy store that whole year. That the whole sprint season, the forty-eight games in ninety-nine days, and the, the cup run. And man, I was having the time of my life. You know, it's funny. I, the, the ESPN put me on the White Sox beat for one year or two and not that i had the same mentality but it was like a grind and i didn't know like i knew basketball like i didn't like i knew enough of other sports but i was all ready to embrace the white Sox after a second season and they moved me to hockey um i'm just glad that i got there's it. nothing I, worse I, than covering baseball you, you took it you 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 dodged a bullet there that is long and bo- i love baseball don't get me wrong it's like my, yeah. my i love i watch the mets every night back you know the rig during the season but those are long days you get to the stadium at like two o'clock and you don't leave till midnight Every day, there's no off days. It's just brutal. I'm I'm just glad that I got a second shot at the Blackhawks and that I embraced it. And I, and obviously, I feel like I, I know something about hockey now. So. And you're beloved, man. You're like a beloved hockey writer now. Doesn't that feel weird to you? Yeah, really weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't. What what are you? I don't know. Over ten seasons. What are what are your favorite things? I mean, yeah. You know, I could I could go back to the the, the Red Wings series in 2013 and the the Kings series in 2014. Still, oh, even off the ice. Even well, that, that's like- the thing. Like for me, honestly, if my favorite memories of the of the last ten years are just being out on the road with other writers at dinner or at a bar, watching games. You know, doing quick uh, gambling drafts on who's going to you know picking names out of a hat, who's going to score the overtime winner in some random Minnesota Colorado game. You know, bitching about work, comparing you know frequent flyer travel tips, and you know pondering where we're going to spend our Marriott points and United miles that summer. I mean, me and Tracy Myers and Chris Cook, we were with each other almost every single minute of every single day for like, what, five or six years. And, you know, 
we're still good friends. We still text just about every day. I mean, you know, I, I miss those. I miss those days where you know, there was like a, a, a kind of a knot of us traveling like that. And I just miss being on the road. And that's what I remember. Like when I think back, like people say, what do you like about your job? It's not, I like writing and I like hockey and I like interviewing and I like working, but I like just, I, the, the best thing about the hockey world is the people in it. And I miss all of them. And I can't, can't wait to get back to see them all. I, I feel like I've lived so many different lifetimes through this beat where it was like, <laughs> I went on the beat and I, I hated it. And then I embraced it and had to learn a lot about hockey. Um, and, and then, you know, towards the end of ESPN, I got, you know, I felt like I got better at it. And then I got, you got laid off from ESPN. And so you're freelancing and then you start up the athletic and you're not credentialed and you're trying to figure <laughs> out ways to do that. And, um, and then for us to hire a second writer, you know, like that was unheard of and, and to learn how to cover the beat with you. And um, like it, it's it feels like all these different things wrapped up in these 10 seasons. And, and, and I, you know, I feel like a different person and um, an evolved uh, a fan, you know, of the sport and or even not, not even coming in as a fan of sport, hating the sport, you know, and, and embracing it and learning it and certainly doing like the book with Belfry and then. Yeah. Um, like I, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it feels like this complete evolution where in 10 years and certainly where we are in life, like we've, we've added family since then. And, mm -hmm. you know, like we, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. And, and it just, even for us to cover this beat, I feel like you and I have gotten closer and the ways that we've learned how to cover this beat have evolved and we're certainly still kind of trying to push the envelope and compete. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. there's a lot of like the game stuff is, yeah, like you, you not that we're fans of the Blackhawks, but to be able to cover Stanley Cups, like that stuff's fun, you know. Sure, but also yeah. the cover, the cover lottery picks, like that stuff's fun. Like I, I, I found that you know, as you go through each different phase, especially not having covered the sport, that it's all been new and exciting, and um, the cover team rebuilding, and then uh, the cover superstars, and then cover you know prospects and different coaching changes and all these different things. Like it all adds to. Um, and I'm sure as a fan, it's not always fun, but as a, as a reporter, like it's just, well, yeah, different if the team was just great every year, that would get old too. Right. You know, we've gotten to cover the gamut really. We've covered some of the best teams that anyone's ever seen and some truly putrid ones and some in that mushy, a lot of them in the mushy middle. So yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, you don't want this, the, 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 the thing that kills you in this business is sameness and, uh, between changing companies and the, the, the ever changing, you know, complexion of this team, uh, Hasn't been a whole lot of sameness, which uh, which I think I'm grateful for. Lastly, I, I I'm I'm going to continue to push our pop culture. Uh, Hell yeah! Of, um, anything good? TV, music, movies, anything you got? Well, I mean, Succession is coming out uh, next oh, yeah. next week on HBO, and that's you know everyone's like, oh man, it's been so long since Succession has been on. But I just started watching it like six months ago, so it's all fresh for me, and I can't wait for the third season now. Uh, it's uh, just phenomenally. You know, as someone who just generally hates rich people and likes seeing them miserable, it's just freaking great. I can't get yeah. enough of it. I, I thought I I, I like the second season more than the first. Like the first one, like it, it got up so absurd at times. Like, <laughs> and part of it's like you have to buy, like obviously bend your mind with this whole thing. Like how many times does one family like get into fights about you right. know? Like, um, but yeah, I I, 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 I I'm definitely hooked at this point too. I'm going to see um, James Bond tomorrow, you know, in the, in the coming days. Looking forward to that because I've been seeing trailers for it for 16 years. I think been so covid delayed so i'm looking forward to finally getting that one under the belt nice um i was watching a lot of tv there for a point and then now the season picked up like i stopped but i i ted lasso was still like a, a go-to for me like i, I like the know, second they... season I, I you know i i know i i i i was waiting for it so i could binge it closer to the end but then once i saw the discourse happening and i didn't want to get bogged down I'm like all right i'm gonna go catch up with it and i caught up with it and i get what people were talking about and all the things but it's still just a really good show and i 
it, I don't need it to be just sunny and happy all the time. I like the fact that they gave Ted a little, you know, depth of character and I could just watch Keely and Rebecca be friends forever. Just I can yeah. watch a show that's just Keely and Rebecca for an hour straight. Yeah, there's something that makes you just feel good about watching, you know, like yeah. I, there's it's, it's uh, in that same I, vein as like Parks and Rec was like that, where it's just like this. It's a joyful show, even when it's being sad yeah. and has some pathos to it. It's still just there's a there's an undercurrent of joy that I appreciate because this, you know, as someone who watches a lot of prestige TV, there's a lot of it that's just depressing as hell. And it's 48 minute slogs through sadness. And I loved the leftovers, but sometimes you need something that's the polar opposite of the leftovers. And Ted Lasso fits that bill. Yeah, I just got done with that show Line of Duty. while I was going through my uh, UK phase. So that was like <laughs> six seasons that I watched in about three weeks. So um but uh, yeah, the road's always good for that. Like, it'll be nice. To, yeah, like, just you know, I, it's hard with I the kids. The, it's hard with the kids running around to watch stuff like Succession. There's a lot of uh, it's it's not the most family friendly show out there. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I hit the road tomorrow, and then you hit the road, and we got we got the scouts piece tomorrow, which is always fun. Um, and then yeah, well, I guess we'll. What do you think um, the Blackhawks think about that piece every year? <laughs> the last few years, I'm sure they've hated re- like I. <laughs> I feel bad because I mean we 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 don't I mean we let the scouts talk and there's yeah, some that's, shitty it's, there's that, some crappy things they say and scout and they're hockey you know it's quote all capital H capital M hockey men so uh, they're uh, they're blunt hockey men yeah. are not they don't, they don't sugarcoat things yeah but honestly I mean from at least the people I talked to they're a lot more optimistic about the Blackhawks yeah. this season yeah like it's I, I think I th- no they're I think fair from, they're they're blunt but they're I think they're always fair yeah no for sure. Um, but yeah, we'll have we'll have that, and then we'll have the road coverage, and um, hopefully more access on the road too. Could allow us to yep. do some more fun stories. And, Counting on that, <clears throat> and we'll uh, yeah, hopefully every we're gonna try for shoot Mondays for podcasts, but I guess it'll all depend on travels and all that things. Yeah, travel and the schedule, but we'll be early in the week every week. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, not terrific. This is uh, yeah, it's the start of the 10th season. Crazy. Here we go. Let's do it. From Mark Lazarus, I am Scott Powers, and this is Lazarus and Powers. And I know that I can fix it. I can help even just a little bit. Won't you let me try? As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.